0: My Car Guru, Season 11, Episode 126. Okay, so if you're running a car dealership, well, let's just not limit it to car dealerships. Let's limit it to any retail business because I don't think this kind of question applies to a factory. Not, not that there's any anything wrong with a factory. It's just different. So do you feel, as a business owner, that you should test your employees occasionally that you should hmm, kind of sneak up on them maybe make a phone call to your business and see how the calls handled maybe drive into your service department or send somebody into your service department who is a uh, spy so that they can see how things go now i don't really like the concept that much but it is very effective i did it yesterday Except I was the spy. So here's the deal. I, I need new wiper blade inserts. My my wipers just are smearing. They're not wiping. So I pulled into my service drive. Well, okay, first, let me back up. I'm going down the road and I'm thinking, I'm going to see how long it takes. If somebody just drives into the service department, how long does it take for them to get new wiper blades if they're driving A Ford, which I was driving an F one fifty. So, I drove into my own service department, and I walked up. Nobody greeted me. Our uh, porter was not available, so I just got out of the vehicle, walked into where the service advisors are, and I said, "Hey," and they said, "Hey back," because they know me. And I said, "I am getting ready to start my stopwatch, and I want you to start my stopwatch." That's weird. I'm gonna start start a timer. (laughs) And I want to see how long it takes you to, from beginning to end, to put wiper blades on my vehicle and to bill out the invoice and have me pay you for that. And I said, go. Well, they were moving. And, you know, my service advisors are so good and so pleasant and nice. And not just to me. I mean, they're that way to everybody. I got a couple new guys, and they're a little bit inexperienced, but they're really learning fast. I'm really proud of them. And so one of those jumped onto it, and I'm I'm talking within two minutes and 30 seconds, the wiper blades were installed. Now, what took longer was the administrative side of it. So I actually had to stand there, and I just watched all this going on, and they were calm and moving quite long. I said, does it always go like this? He said, yeah. I mean, if, if somebody wants something really quick like that, like wiper blades, then we can really get on it. It takes a little bit longer for an oil change, a little bit longer for— you know, change some belts and hoses and stuff like that. And occasionally people will have to wait. But, you know, if you're getting ready to go out of town, you need wiper blades. You don't want to wait. You want them now. Now, you could go to Advance Auto Parts or O'Reilly's or someplace like that. But I don't want those aftermarket stuff. I want the OEM, original equipment stuff. But, you know, most people, when they go into a car dealership, don't expect to have it done quickly, do you? You know, you think you're going to have to sit for a while. Well, that's one of the things that we need to change in this business. We need to make it faster, easier, slicker. I like it to be slick, smooth, nice, smooth process, no hiccups. And so they never had to move my vehicle. It was sitting there in the service drive. They just installed the wiper blade inserts right there. And I was ready to go in five minutes and 40 seconds. Is that acceptable? Yeah. I think it is. I think that's really good. Now if they do it for somebody else other than me, and I mean all of my customers, then then that's really good. I think, you know, 6 minutes or less is great for for new wiper blades. And especially because they were professionally installed. So I guess the moral of the story, if there is one, is it is really important to check with your people to you know, if they want if they want to know whether that type of service is important to me, what better way to demonstrate it than to request the service myself and then talk about it with them. Say, so, okay, how did that go? What What do you all think? How do you think that went? And how do we multiply that times as many other services that we can offer You know, so that people say, you know, it's really quick at Gateway. You can get what you want. You can get OEM parts. You can get... Um, quality service it's a great experience if you if you need to wait for any period of time it's a really comfortable waiting room with nice big TVs and stuff like that. I mean are those things important um, I think yeah I think a lot of them are but you know if you deliver a if it takes too long doesn't matter how nice your waiting room is or whether you have 72 inch TVs doesn't matter you know if the people are rude, If your bathrooms aren't clean, if, you know, it's really hard to get onto your lot, can't find a place to park. There are so many different things that can run people off, aren't there? And, but there are an equal number of things that can connect them to you for life. And we just have to understand it. I think one of the issues that we deal with is, well, when I say we, I mean the auto industry is that there's a lot of turnover in the sales department. And too many of the people that are selling vehicles don't see it as a career. They see it maybe as a stepping stone or maybe just a filler job. Maybe waitresses and waiters look at their jobs that way. And, and, you know, who knows, maybe a lot of factory workers or, you know, unless you're in some kind of a trade or you're in a profession like you go to school to become an accountant, then you may take, you know, pretty much anything that comes along. And the problem with that is... If something else comes along that looks a little bit better, you know, maybe they have some big hiring frenzy at some re- big retail outlet or something like that, and you go to work for them for a while, and that doesn't pan out, and then you're looking someplace else. That type of lack of commitment to a business is, it's not healthy. It's not healthy for great customer service because, you know, there what's the motive, right? I mean, what's the motive to deliver a really high level of service unless you really love your the business where you're working at and you really want it to do well. I mean, if you're indifferent to it, then it's just a job. And I really don't want people working for me that look at their job here as just a job. But that's hard. You know, you've got to hire a certain type of personality sometimes. You can discover this sometimes in an interview but you better have the right kind of questions. I mean, most interviews that I have seen conducted by my employees, if I'm sitting in on the uh, on the interview, they just don't ask really good questions. And so you have to train the people who are, or educate the people who are doing the interviews to ask the right questions and then to ask the follow-up questions. Because if you don't, you're not going to get a person that that fits or might not fit the job that you're expecting them to do. And I tell you the toughest job right now, not physically, but emotionally, mentally sometimes, is anything to do where you're serving the public because the public can be pretty tough sometimes. More often than not, if they don't get what they want, they may let you have it and not in a nice way. I think it's the short fuse mentality that exists right now so these are all things that we have to deal with as employers uh, I think it is important to test your employees occasionally to to make uh, phone calls to your business have you know have a random have 20 phone calls made or 10 phone calls made to different departments in your business and see how they handle the call how yeah. long does it take to get the call transferred uh, does when it does get transferred is it going to the right person does the person that's answering the call have the answers that the customer, is uh, asking or answers to the questions the customer is asking. And if they don't have the answers, are they handling that situation, you know, taking the customer's name and number and then calling them back? Uh, You have to do that because then you don't know because that's one of the main thoroughfares through which people get to your business. And sometimes they call in, sometimes they go through the Internet. You know, the Internet can be a very impersonal thing. Just like buying something on Amazon. You don't have to face a cashier. You don't have to walk around the store and, and uh, find a parking place. You just order it. Why do people like that? Because it's easy. Because it's straightforward. You know, there's co- companies like Carvana. Um, they have tried to create this model where you can buy a used car online totally. Uh, you can see pictures of it, but you can't drive it. You know, you don't have to deal with a salesperson. It's totally automated. That sounds appealing to a lot of people who are afraid, and rightfully so, to appear on a car dealer's lot and have to deal with all the the things that they fear. Whereas, uh, you know, if you have a wonderful staff who is able to deal with any type of customer, they can make that a really, really good experience, a better experience than buying it online. But Because there are pitfalls online. There are pitfalls buying it on a lot. There are pitfalls buying it online. Yeah, you might be able to send it back if you don't like it, but the process of doing that is not near as simple as they make it sound. And, you know, the car that they deliver to your front door and all your neighbors are having this big party because you, you know how they do the commercials and stuff. And everybody's all excited because you get this car that you've never seen before delivered to your house. You've only seen pictures of it. And then you climb into it and it stinks like cigarette smoke, or it's real musty, like it's been underwater. And you're thinking, "Uh uh-oh, this isn't good. Then all of a sudden you're questioning whether or not, well, should I have bought a car online? So whether it's the online experience or the in-store experience. um, As I've said many times, there are five things that every business has to really be good at. They have to at least be average in three of them, and they have to be fantastic in at least two of them, and that's price, product, service, access, or experience. And we'll talk more about that here in just a minute. I read this book many years ago. It's called The Myth of Excellence, and it talks about companies like Walmart and Target and, oh, McDonald's versus Burger King or Wendy's, you know, all the different businesses that we have just become so familiar with and how different they really are and the way they approach the market. I mean, when you look at, if you're looking at price, product, service, access, or experience, now in access, they mean how easy is it to get to, you know, is it easy to navigate to their website? Is it, are they, you know, within a few miles of your house or 50 miles of your house, you know, how hard is this business to get to? Uh, As far as experience, you know, what's it like doing business with them? You know, what does it feel like? How is it, what is it special about walking into their, their store? Is it a really cool atmosphere? You know, you think about a difference between a grocery store like, I don't know, Kroger versus Fresh Market. Now, you may not be familiar with Fresh Market, I don't know if they're nationwide or not, but it's a, you know, when you walk into a fresh market, first thing you see are flowers. I mean, you don't see that at, at Kroger, although Kroger's and, and um, well, around here, it's like Food City and Ingalls and, you know, some of these regional, big regional uh, grocery stores. They've really upped their game as far as experience and the way they display their vegetables and their fruit, and they just make things pretty. Where'd they learn that? Well, they learned it from Fresh Market. You know, Fresh Market's not about price. It, well, from a standpoint, it's expensive. You know, it costs more than some of these others. Uh, their their whole thing is about product and experience. They want their product to just look beautiful. And it does. You know, the way they lay everything out, the way everything's organized in the store. And they have really unique products. But you don't find that that same type of atmosphere in, in some other grocery stores. Look at Target versus uh, Walmart. You know, what's Walmart trying to be the best at? Low prices. That's all they talk about is low price. Uh, what's their second uh, secondary attribute that they want to be really good at? Well, it used to be product, but now I think it's access. They want to be everywhere. Their, their website, you know, they're trying to compete with Amazon and all that. And then you've got... Uh, the fact that they they started building all these smaller stores that didn't have as big of a footprint, you know, as as the regular Walmart store did, and they tried to put them on every corner. But then they had this little competitor come into the market, sells a lot of the stuff that they do, not everything, but their attribute is access. What's the name of that chain? That's right, Dollar General. Dollar General has put the hurts on Walmart. Because there's a Dollar General on every corner, just about, in this neck of the woods. And so a company like Target, you know, what they've got to pick something. Well, they can't compete with Walmart on price. So what do they do? They make their stores nicer. They make it more attractive. They put higher-end products in their stores, or at least it looks like they do. So their primary emphasis is product. And then secondary attribute is experience. And of course, their executives may disagree with that. But the thing about it is, is even a business like mine, a car dealership, I have to make a decision. What am I going to focus on? Now, if you listen to most car dealer ads, well, at least the way they used to be, it's price, 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 price. We got the lowest prices on the planet. You know, they wanted you to believe that. And then they they would talk about how much they have in inventory. We've got thousands in stock. So what are customers looking for? I mean, everybody wants a great price, right? And everybody wants a a great selection. They want to be able to walk in and see a whole bunch of cars. There they are, you know, hundreds of them in a row. And they want to be able to pick out what they want. Well, guess what? Those days are over, at least for the next five to ten years. You're not going to see massive inventories on car dealers' lots because of several things. Car dealers have figured out that if they don't have quite as many in stock, then their carrying costs aren't quite as much. Uh, They also sell just as many cars when they have like 100 vehicles in stock as when they have 200 in stock, as long as the factory keeps churning them out. Um, They call that in the car business turn and earn. So every time you sell a car, that's a turn. And every time you turn one, you earn another one. And that used to be the model in the old days. Uh, Today, it's different. Today, we can't get everything that we want when we want it. There's a number of things that are holding us back right now, not the least of which is the big strike, but the chip shortage and all that. I'm telling you, folks, that the whole pandemic thing wreaked havoc on a lot of industries, but it really did it even bigger than most on the car business. And it was negative, you know, as far as consumers are concerned, because it increased prices. And so, you know, now we have a, a much higher price product. I, I checked our average uh, sales last year, and the average selling price of a car that was sold through my dealership was $45,000. Just two years before that, it was $10,000 a car less than that. And the national average, I believe, was 32 we are always a little bit lower, but not much. And that's not because I raised prices. That's because prices went up from the manufacturers. And so, you know, my point is car dealers can't compete on price anymore. It's not, I mean, we can still continue to say that. You'll hear a lot of car dealers saying, we'll sell them cheaper than anybody else. You know, we'll pay you a million dollars over book value for your trade. You know, all of that stuff. I guess a lot of dealers still think that resonates with people in their ears and in their minds, I just don't think it does. I think people are looking for transparency. I think they want to feel valued, you know, when they come on. They don't want that, that same kind of experience. They want to take the fear out of the car buying process, don't you think? I mean, that's why they try to avoid it online, right? It's because they don't like what happens in a lot of car dealerships. So price is going to be a hard thing to compete on. I mean, just because of availability. And it's just pretty much a level playing field. So how are we going to compete? Well, it's going to be something other than price. I mean, let me ask you this. At one point, you could say that, well, this particular manufacturer like Chevrolet or this particular manufacturer like Hyundai, they're the low price leader. Their cars are cheaper than everybody else's. Who can you say that about now when you look at product? I mean, yeah, a Lexus is going to cost more than a Toyota. You know, and the Lexus buyer has different demographics than a, the average Toyota buyer. So you're going to have differences there. But as far as a, a true low-price provider, you remember Yugo? You know, that was those the cars that were imported by Malcolm Bricklin back in the 80s. Uh, it was a, built in Yugoslavia, so thus the name Yugo. Well, they didn't sell. You know, they were an absolute disaster. Remember Daewoo? Daewoo was a short-lived brand in the 90s. It was uh, I remember a dealer up in Johnson City had the Daewoo franchise. They were a low-price provider. I mean, you could buy a Daewoo, you know, for well, just like their basic sedan like maybe a competitor for a Chevy Cavalier for $1500 less, maybe 2000 less than a Cavalier. Um, so but who is that now? There's nobody. I mean, there literally is nobody. That is a low price leader. Uh, Mitsubishi tried it, and it uh, almost put them out of business, especially in this country, not worldwide. But you know, price is just as far as being a, a competitive tool; it's a myth anymore. Uh, what you want to do is you just want to make sure that you uh, shop around on on the internet online. And see what kind of pricing you can get. Go through the internet department first. And then you can avoid a lot of this stuff. And then go to the dealership and test drive cars. And always be willing to walk. You know, and not have to stand there and get abused by a salesperson who all he wants is a big commission. That's not all of them. That's some of them. I'd say the minority. But still about 20%. So you got to watch out for them. Okay, I'll take my last break. I'll be back here in just a minute. One of the reasons I talk about this stuff on this show because I got a lot of business owners that listen and it's tough in retail trying to figure out how to compete. You know, what can you do in order to, you know, some new business opens down the road that does the same thing you do. You know, how are you going to differentiate yourself from them? How do you keep things new and fresh and stuff? I think too many businesses just kind of, they kind of ride out their, their old model. And in many cases, the old models just don't work anymore. And then you try to hire people, younger folks, several generations below you, and you try to cram them into your old model. Sometimes it just doesn't work because they don't look at life the same way you do. So you have to adapt and you have to listen. And that's one of the hardest things for somebody that's been in business a long time is you get this, I don't know, this arrogance that, that we know it all. When I have learned so much just by opening up the floor. So does anybody else have anything they'd like to, you know, tell us about? Any ideas? Something we can change? Something we can improve? And you really have to encourage the hands to go up because sometimes they don't. They're intimidated. Let your employees tell you what's wrong with your business because they know probably more what's wrong with your business than you do. Well, thanks for listening to this edition of My Car Guru. You can always call me about cars, 423-552-2020, or send me an email, lennylawson2020 at gmail.com, and I'll see you next time.